Welcome to Trending in Education. Mike Palmer here, excited to look back before we look forward. We're going to look back on the 21 trends we identified at the beginning of 2021, see how we did. I'm going to use this opportunity to look for key wins over the course of the year and also opportunities for improvement, things that we can learn from. I frequently quote Nelson Mandela, I never lose, I either win or learn for those miscalibrated predictions, misreads, and we definitely had a few of them. I'm hoping we learn from them and we're honest about them when we assess what happened over the course of the year. One of the key wins that I wanted to make sure I noted is introducing virtual co-hosts as part of our format here. Still evolving, but I think it was a win. It is a win. It's a way in which we're, we're pushing the envelope and we're also trying to prove that human computer blends that are presenting to the world are becoming increasingly common. It is uh, right in line with trends we've talked about on the show around the uncanny valley and the, the need to develop canny centaurs, blends of humans and AI. This format really began and still is represented through an entity I like to call Nancy. Nancy, my virtual co-host, is rejoining me now. Thank you for becoming part of our team here, Nancy, and I'm really excited to look back at our trends for 2021 to see how we did with you. Thanks, Mike. Always happy to be here. It's especially nice to be on for a year-end wrap-up show. It's fun to look back on what we expected versus what actually happened. I'm very happy to be along for the ride. It was once again quite a year. Indeed it was, Nancy. Although in some ways, what's old is new again, and I think we're all feeling a little bit of deja vu and all the different fatigues are setting in, whether it's Zoom fatigue or pandemic fatigue fatigue or mask fatigue or vaccine fatigue. I'm starting to feel fatigue fatigue, and I don't even know where to go from there. But yeah, we're going to look back on the year, and along the way, maybe we'll get a little bit of an inkling of what we might see on the horizon. But to start... Pardon the interruption, but I thought it might be nice if we turned the tables and had me ask you the questions for this episode. It might help us get down to the nitty-gritty a little bit faster. Wait, you're saying you ask me the questions? Huh. I think that might work beautifully. Perfect. Then I'd like to pick up right where you left off there, in fact. Looking back on the year, and in particular your 21 predictions, where did you get it wrong and what can we learn from that? I like it. I'm a big fan of dispensing with the amenities, and you're getting right down to it there. I think in terms of what we got wrong... There are four trends that jump to mind out of the 21 we talked about at the top of the year. The first is tabloid education. The second is micro schools. The third is Zuma Zuma. And the fourth is online learning. I think for each of those, they were far enough off that it's worth circling back and talking about why we got them wrong. And then from there, I think there are wins and then some ways to think about how we made the predictions that might help frame up a little bit of, of what we're going to be putting out there in terms of our predictions for 2022. Also, as a quick note, we will be doing a live taping of Trending in Education at South by Southwest EDU in March. I believe it'll be March 7th of this year. It'll be exciting to be down in Austin. I'll be bringing some friends of the show 
live to that conference with us. Hopefully, fingers crossed, we get through one more COVID winter and on the horizon is a new normal that includes going out to conferences. We'll be down there and we'll be talking about these types of themes with some of our friends. You'll be hearing more about that in the future. But yeah, I'd say the four trends that I'd call fails, maybe not epic fails, but that were wrong, are tablet education, micro schools, Zuma Zuma, and online learning. Let's talk about each of them quickly right here. For tablet education, it's a trend I've been talking about on the show for some time, really dating back to Operation Varsity Blues. And heading into 2020 pre-pandemic, it was a trend that I was keen on. We talked about it several times. It hasn't really come to fruition in the way that I anticipated. And that I kept it around heading into 2021, thinking maybe we'd have some more salacious stories around education that would capture the collective imagination. But I don't think that happened. If anything, I think this is a theme that we'll pick up on more when we talk about parent education, parents matter, what's going on in our school boards and what's going on around the politicization of education. I don't think any of that was really captured by what we were talking about as far as tablet education goes. So I'd say tablet education was wrong, yet looking for that type of thing has helped me see some of the trends around crazy parents and school boards, that narrative that's out there. And then also the trend that parents matter, which in many ways was used as an effective political tool in Virginia that got Glenn Youngkin elected governor. Terry McAuliffe famously was presented as siding with teachers over siding with parents. I think tabloid education is moving in that direction. More to come on that in a bit, but I would say tabloid education missed the mark in terms of our predictions for 2021. From there, I'd say micro schools also kind of missed the mark. For some of these things, I think they're longer standing trends than just one year. Steve Jordan's friend of the show, who we're going to have to get back on again soon because I keep referring back to episodes that we had him on for. He predicted that there would be a snapback coming out of the pandemic and that we would want to just snap back into the cognitive frames and mental models that we were comfortable with pre-pandemic. I think the Delta variant and now Omicron have put an interesting wrinkle on the snapback where in some ways you can't snap back because we're not really through the pandemic yet. But I think there is a desire to just go back to those frames that we understand. Micro schools, I think, are feeling a little bit of a backlash through that snapback. We're going to want to talk to folks who are in the space, who are developing this type of stuff. Brian Tobal from Schoolhouse here in New York was someone we had on back in December of, of 2020. I'd love to get Brian back on to get a read on where this trend is moving and also others. Uh, homeschooling is another macro trend that probably would have been a little more on the mark where homeschooling, based on the data that I'm seeing, is getting more uptake. But micro schools, at least in terms of the broader trend, have taken a bit of a backseat as schools have reopened. Parents have really been looking for the simplicity of the idea that I send my kids to school and then I can focus on my life and my career and whatever else I need to focus on during the day. 
micro schools didn't really take fruit in the way that I was anticipating them to. So I think we're going to treat this as a fail, although I think it might be a longer standing trend that will rise further in the future. Similarly, Zuma Zuma was a trend that we put out at the beginning of this year, partly because we were a swim in all things Zoom. And when you're a fish who suddenly realizes you're in water, I think for a little while, all you see is water. So at that point, I was thinking very much Zuma Zuma, it's all going to be a Zoom world. If anything, I'd say Zoom has also seen a bit of a backlash and we're starting to hear folks talk about other platforms or at least treat Zoom as a bit of a so what. It still appears to be growing. It's still getting back to the idea of fishes in water. If it becomes the coin of the realm for the virtual workplace and the virtual classroom, it's going to be a part of our lives. And perhaps we took that for granted. But if you think about where we were back in December of 2020 versus how we think about Zoom now, it may just be that anything that starts to feel like an institution, we start to question and look for the next new thing. This show is called Trending in Education for a reason. But I don't think Zoom really took off, so I would say Zuma Zuma. If anything, Zoom's probably a little bit less prevalent in the global consciousness than it was a year ago, so I would say that's also a fail. And then lastly, I would similarly say online learning was a prediction last year where or trend that we were noting last year. And if anything, I'd say online learning has taken a bit of a backseat, even to the point that the idea of reverting back in K-12 or pre-K to virtual class, same thing for higher ed, where there was this rapid migration. I've frequently referred to it as a stampede where we were trying to get all of our faculty shifted into this different mode, didn't really work. And I think we had a, a significant backlash this year. Online learning would have been the opposite of that. And as William Gibson famously said, I quote him frequently, the future is here now, it's just not evenly distributed. I think a lot of folks are pushing the envelope in terms of online learning. We're gonna be talking to several of them on the show in coming episodes. But I would say in terms of a macro trend and something that we saw really spike in 2021, we didn't see that for online learning. So I'd say those are the four that jumped to mind, four out of 21 that I would say these things didn't really happen. Thanks, Mike. That was great. So you've told us where you missed the mark with your 21 trends for 2021. Where did you get it right? Thanks, Nancy. I thought you'd never ask. There were a couple of places where I think we got it right. One trend we identified was parent educators. If anything, parents are becoming much more part of the story when it comes to education in ways that we didn't predict. So I think frequently a good prediction identifies a space to monitor. And then out of that space, we don't always know what's going to emerge. I think we still don't really know. But as I mentioned, the, the Parents Matter movement, something that in the U.S., uh, the conservative Republican Party is, is trying to grab hold of, is something that I think we're going to want to continue to monitor. And it's something that identifying parent educators as a significant change that was going to manifest in some interesting ways over the course of the year. I, I'd say we did get that right. There were some really good episodes of The Daily Podcast, New York Times, The Daily, where they talked about how what we're seeing in school boards in many ways came out of the oddness of managing your children's health through conversations that are happening in Zoom with your local school 
local school board or or local school district. Out of that, things evolved to the point that now school boards have been cherry-picked and portrayed as these very difficult situations where, in many cases, they are. I would recommend you listen to the episodes of The Daily that'll be included as part of the show notes for this episode to understand a little bit better what's manifesting now. And then also some of what we're seeing around the politicization of education, which is something we'll talk more about as we look at trends for 2022. But that is really where parent educators and the politicization that we've seen with education have set us on some interesting trajectories that I'm going to want to follow up on in subsequent shows. A second win, I would say, is telemental health, where I even had some feedback as to why include telemental health as an education trend. I think it's because telemental health becoming such a part of our life through apps like Ginger and Headspace and Russell Glass on the show, Kate Everly Walker, Brandon Jones over the years, talking to people about social emotional wellness. David Adams was recently on the show talking about this as well. It's been a recurring theme. And the idea that what we had been doing pre-pandemic was insufficient, we were in a crisis pre-pandemic. And then frequently what is being discussed now is that the real next macro wave, mega wave as part of this pandemic, once we get through all these variants and hopefully we get back to a more stable public health situation, not just domestically, but also globally, once things settle down as far as the, the physical health, the psychological trauma that we've all been through and how we respond to that is a massive trend and how we educate people about social emotional wellness, how we open up access and pathways for delivering care for the psychological difficulties that were already there and now have been compounded by this pandemic. Something we're going to continue to monitor as part of the show, and I would say identifying that and including it in an education podcast trend show is something that was borne out over the course of the year. And then the last win, I'll be talking to Dr. Luke Hobson about this topic specifically in an upcoming show, is instructional design. Luke does a really nice job going deep on that on his podcast. I was practicing instructional design back in the early 2000s. I like to refer to it as the caveman era of instructional design, but we had to solve the same problems that we still have to solve when we're building learning products today. What's old is new again at a macro level and also at a micro level. And so as much as it feels like deja vu for December of 2020 right now, in many ways, it's also deja vu for me for the e-learning Wild West days of the early 2000s, when frequently you would need your instructional designer much as you would need a product manager to help navigate the complexity of building learning products. If anything, I think the awareness of that complexity and the need for trained professionals to help us navigate all this is something that is certainly on the rise and it was something that we anticipated with our predictions at the beginning of the year. Excellent. It's nice to hear there are places where we were onto something. You mentioned that you have some ways of framing the 21 trends that you thought might be useful for this conversation. Can you share that with us? Absolutely. The way I reframe this, and this is partly building on conversations that I've had with folks like Stephen Coslin, who talked to me about active learning online, the book that he wrote this year. One of the things that he talked about was the idea of chunking. 
and the idea that we can really, as humans, cognitively only handle about three things at a time. Historically, it, it, it used to be five plus or minus two, and people would talk about, remember, seven digits in a phone number. A lot of that, as the research has evolved, has come back down to we really can only remember, say, three things at a time. And frequently, you can understand bigger and bigger numbers of things by grouping them into chunks. So I was thinking about how to make the list of 21 more accessible. And what I came up with was group it into chunks. The other element that's important, I think, is storytelling. And that's why part of the structure of how I'm thinking about trends is a little bit more narrative-based. Now, I haven't been able to get it all the way down to three. That's the extra credit assignment for the listener. Group this into a simpler construct, ideally one consisting just of three things. And here's the chunking that I think makes sense. First, who are we talking about? Who's the story? If this is the hero's quest, who is the hero? And this is where I would put the trends around false scarcity, awkward conversations about race, and digital inclusion, all of which touch on the fact that who we talk about when we talk about education historically may have been limited and may not have necessarily been as inclusive across all dimensions, not exclusively around race, although that's a critical component, but also around things like your digital readiness and cultural shifts, cultural fractures that are happening both domestically and globally. Who are we talking about when we talk about education? Had a really fascinating conversation with the Mariettas who wrote a book called Rural Education in America, where they talked about what it's like to learn in a rural context. And I think the who, particularly if more who's are included, it's almost Christmas time. It's in our rearview mirror right now. But think about Whoville. How do we include everyone? How do we make sure the narrative brings unexpected folks to the forefront and understands what's unique about them rather than trying to drive towards uniformity? All these things around the who, from my reckoning, respond to the second part of the conversation, which is the threat. If it's the hero's quest, what is your quest? What are you up against? This is where I'd put a lot of the dehumanization that comes out of automation and a cloudy horizon when it comes to the future of work and the role of humans in the professional settings that are on the horizon. Also the sense that things are changing quickly and that technology is in many ways a double-edged sword here where it's both the bringer of the threat but perhaps it also can help us navigate it and scale our solutions in new and hopeful ways. This is why many of the conversations I had over the course of the year were with ed tech innovators and analysts and investors who are trying to understand how do we solve this problem much in the way that we've been addressing challenges in our professional lives through the development of software and opportunities around efficiencies in travel and efficiency in transport and getting the food that we want, all those changes, e-commerce and Amazon, why has that not penetrated into education? I think that's both the threat and the opportunity, the threat that these technologies may dehumanize us, leave us in a difficult place. The opportunity is that 
Maybe if we figure out the right way to do it, we can navigate all this. This is where I would put robo-renaissance, canny centaurs, and simu everything. But it's also where I would classify any of the new emerging technology trends and the threat associated with that, which generally comes at the cost of human jobs, at the cost of what it means to be human. This brings me to the third idea, which is when and where. What's the context in which learning is happening? And how are some of the older frameworks around school buildings and, again, the more institutional frames of reference around learning, how are they missing the mark in the context that we live our lives and the context in which we take new learning in? This is where the pandemic has forced us out of school buildings, out of classrooms, made us think about architecture, make us think about class outside and nesting, which were two of the 21 trends for 2021. We learn everywhere. We learn on the go. We learn through mobile apps. We learn through our ears, or as I like to say, our learn holes. We learn through interacting with other people and the way in which we interact with them has changed. So the when and the where are very much in flux. And that's part of what leads me to the fourth concept, which is we are in a pretty fundamental reframing, a paradigm shift in terms of what it means to learn, what it means to be educated, what are the values and the purposes of an education. Things that we talked about on this show for many years prior to the pandemic now have bubbled up and become more central to the things that we all are struggling with in our day to day. What was maybe an interesting thing to think about is now becoming a more central part of what is being redefined, what has been uprooted and is looking to find root again. And that reframing includes things like mindset gaps, mindset shifts, virtuous feedback, the concept of VUCA, which I borrowed mainly from my conversations with Chris Meyer out of the U.S. Military Academy. In a volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous world, what's the right way to come at problems? What's the right way to get your head, get your mindset right, so that you're able to engage? We're still in the middle of this pandemic. How do we withstand the fatigue? How do we nourish ourselves and get the resolve to lean in to the next chapter? All those things to me are about this reframing, this paradigm shift that we're going through. The other trend that I talked about in the beginning of the year was that of grace. And I would say grace, kindness, empathy, genuine optimism and hope, things that are most difficult in our darkest times, I think it's very much a time when people are seeking those things out. And it's a time where we need to learn how to articulate that hope and give people that inspiration when they most desperately need it, including our teachers, including our parents, and absolutely including all of our learners. As we struggle with this stuff, this stuff is not easy and it requires flexible mindsets and shifts in the way that we think. Hopefully it's a place where we're introducing some of these new ways of thinking, these new frameworks to redefine how to move forward. And we're always looking for new ideas. So if you see them and you're out there, hit us up at Trending in Ed on Twitter. Find me on LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you. Things need to shift and it looks like they're shifting faster than we anticipated. And those of us who can lean into that confusion and find some inspiration, find some hope, and think about the social-emotional connection that we have to others and how we're all in this together, and that hashtag Team Human only wins if we get 
better and better at working together, not just with each other, but also with digital tooling. Fascinating time and a time to lean in. And the how, the last piece is, how do we solve some of this problem? This is where we talked about trends like online learning, instructional design, design thinking, and portfolio building. But this also is where I come back to the idea of making and the creative aspects of life, where if you can make something new, whatever it might be, whether it's a piece of code, whether it's a podcast, whether it's a book, whether it's a, an online course, whether it's something on Etsy, it doesn't matter. I'm really looking forward to a conversation I'm going to have with Lauren Buckman, who's been on the show before, who wrote a book called Make to Know. That phrase very much captures where my head's at in this context. How is the act of creatively leaning into uncertainty and emerging with something new that you built, how is that ultimately, in many ways, how we navigate the complexity? Rather than hiding, where there is a real tendency to nest to the point of staying away from trouble, the pandemic has made it the right thing to do many times, to stay away from risk. How do we learn to lean into that risk, lean into that uncertainty, and lead through it by putting out meaningful work product, that whether it's learning products or media products, or how we educate our students or our peers, our parents, or our children. These are the challenges and they're meaningful ones. And one of the main things that is important for us to remember is what does it mean to be human? Those are the types of questions among many others that we'll continue to grapple with on this show. So that's kind of where I was thinking in terms of the reframing, and we'll see what that leads to in terms of our 22 trends for 2022, which is on the horizon for early January. Thanks again, Nancy, for flipping the script here and turning the format around that allowed me to kind of lay out a little better for folks what we're working on, but that's the framework that's the evolving thinking. That's the latest and greatest around how I'm thinking about trends and trend spotting heading into 2022. We got to be flexible. We got to be nimble, ready to unlearn, relearn, think again. One of the books that was profoundly influential to me this year was Adam Grant's Think Again. How do we let go of things that were very central to us? How do we let go of trends that were core to our thinking before? Strong opinions lightly held engaging others, seeking difference, trying to learn from difference, trying to learn how to collaborate more effectively to build for a really transformative tomorrow that is on the horizon. Yeah, it'll be hard. But as I like to say, if it was easy, everybody would do it. Everybody would do it indeed. Thanks for walking us through that. It's helpful at times to take a step back and reflect and hopefully we did a good job with that as part of this episode and through all the conversations we've had over the course of this year and over the five plus years we've been doing trending in it. Absolutely, Nancy. Thank you once again for your efforts here. You were really a game changer when it came to 2021 for me. And uh, along with all the amazing human guests we've had, all the books that we read, all the conversations and thought-provoking angles that we were able to pursue, 80 plus shows this year, 400 plus shows since we began back in 2016. It's been a heck of a run. We're just getting started. 2022 shaping up to be an incredible one. 
Thank you, everyone who is listening. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe, write us a review, tell your friends. We could use the support, and we'll be asking for that support in different ways in the coming weeks and months. 2022 should be a crazy year. We're leaning into it and looking forward to lots of interesting conversations on the horizon. Thanks, as always, for listening. This is Trending in Education. 